0: VC, thanks. Um, we were greatly privileged to spend an incredible, incredible family Christmas down in Johannesburg this year. And it was a wonderful time. Um, but as always happens, the houses that you're staying in run out of stuff. And so I was driving with my brother-in-law um, to go and basically get a few requirements that my sister wanted and we were in the four ways area of Joburg and I was sitting in his car and we were chatting away and it was idyllic and wonderful and we get to this traffic light and it's red and we stop and as far as I was concerned the car stalled and of course there's a whole pile of GP number plates behind behind me and I know what these guys get up to and I felt a little bit panicky Um, and I looked at my brother-in-law and he seemed totally unconcerned Um, the light turned green, he put his foot on the accelerator and we shot off. We got to the next traffic light and exactly the same thing happened. And I said to him, but what's going on here? Um, and he said to me, well, these are these new cars that save fuel and they stop and they turn off at the traffic light and when the traffic light turns green and you put, take your foot off the brake and on the accelerator, off we go. Stupid me, I didn't trust German engineering. And it worked every time, and it was absolutely fantastic. Vesey contacted me on Tuesday, and he said to me, Dave, would you be prepared to have a few, a few words to say? I didn't respond to Vesey, and as Vesey is, the next thing the phone rings, and he said, Dave, have you got my message? Yes, Vesey, I've got your message. Well, are you prepared to say something? I said, Vesey do you trust me? Yes, Dave, I trust you. I'm thinking, did I trust the German engineers? I'm not sure that I did, but at the end of the day, I had to. Yes, Dave, I trust you. Vesey, I'll say something if you trust me. Now, listen, Dave, what are you going to (laughs) say? But that's who we are in our humanness, and that's what God loves about us, and we love you, Vesi. Um, And I appreciate that you asked me to say a few words this morning. I think for me, um, it's very important that our foundations are very, very solid. And if the foundations are solid, a house can get knocked down and it can be rebuilt and it can get knocked down. But it can also stand firm when the foundations are solid. Um, So I just want to read to you a couple of verses um, about Paul, who I have great respect and great writing. Uh, it, it, with, his great, with his great writings. Um, and when he is writing to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surprisingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we've all read Paul's writings. And yet God saw it necessary to have that thorn in Paul's flesh to achieve out of him what he wanted to be achieved. We move on to Philippians. And Paul says again, I eagerly expect... And hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Imagine coming to that situation. For me, I often consider it as an oxymoron. But when I dwell on it and spend more time on it, it is an absolute truth. And Paul's foundations were solid as a result of the thorn that was in his flesh. And so we all have afflictions that come our way. And we must rejoice in those afflictions because they are sent there for God to improve our foundations and for us to to be of strength and God to use us in the way he wants us. Who am I? The year before last, I was up in Uganda, and I had the, we, we landed at Entebbe, and we crossed the equator because I was going to do some stuff in southern Uganda. And we got out of the, the car at the equator, and I've shared this story with a couple of you before. Um, and there was an old guy there with a five-liter jug of water and a basin with a plug in it. And he said... On the left-hand side of the equator, or the Southern Hemisphere, the water drains out of the basin anti-clockwise. In the Northern Hemisphere, it drains out of the basin in a clockwise direction. And for a few dollars, I can show you my experiment. So I said, well, go for it. Let's have a look and see. We were one meter in the Northern Hemisphere. He poured the five liters of water into the, into the container and he pulled the plug And the water drained clockwise out of the out of the plug. He then picked up his basin and took it two meters across. He poured the water in and he took out the plug and it drained anti-clockwise. Two meters, a difference of two meters. He then put it right on the equator, poured the water in, and the water just went straight out the plug hole. It didn't drain clockwise or anti-clockwise. I stood there and I was totally amazed that from the equator, 12,000 k's to the North Pole and 12,000 k's to the South Pole, 24,000 k's, God had created an earth that was so finely balanced, that within two meters, He could prove how great a creator He was. I then reminded myself that He had created me. And I was the pinnacle of his creation. And it felt incredible. And he's created all of us. But what's different to what he, when he created the world and what he's done for us, is he's given us free choice. And we have that decision to make to decide whether his son is risen, and we are saved forever? Or well, that is not true. We have that freedom of choice. Our creator gave us that freedom of choice. And once we've made that choice forever, we are secure. So who am I? For the first 20 years of my life, Kay was known as Dave Connolly's wife. For the next ten years of my marriage, I became known as Kay Connolly's husband, and I've got to tell you, I struggled with that. As an alpha male, I was uh, male. I was very comfortable to be Kay's husband. I wasn't so comfortable to be Kay's to be Kay's. Yes, I can't get it. (laughs) I read this the other day. I'm the result of every single of my ancestors' hopes, dreams, and accomplishments. Well, my wife, who I've already mentioned, we had a family get-together about 15 years ago, and I asked her to look up the family tree, and she found that there's some unsavory characters in my ancestry. So I'm not so sure that I can agree with that. But in knowing that the Lord Jesus is my Savior, I can live with great hope. The other thing is, at the end of last year, I wasn't particularly well. And as all of you know, my wife hasn't been particularly well for, for a number of years. And I've kind of helped her out as best I can. But after... About two years ago when she was in Marta Day Hospital and her lung had collapsed and she wasn't very well, she said to me, Dave, it's time that I moved on. You will be fine here with the children and you'll do well, but it's time I moved on. And I got very, very angry with her. This was after 10 years of illness. I had two weeks of it. And all of a sudden I said to Kay, you know what, it's time I moved on. Hey? Guys, I don't do sickness well. A couple of years ago, we got evicted from the farm, and there were, I mean, I was probably close to the 4,000th person that it had happened to, but when it happens to you, it actually comes as quite a shock, and I had everything in my favor. I had, the, I had all the legal rights. I had judgments. I had everything, and I remember on the 14th of September um, 2014 at the Victory Police Station spending eight hours there and trying to get them to apply the law and they refused blankly to do it and I was hugely depressed and hugely upset I came back to town and my son Paul um, handed me this piece of paper which has turned out to be a very prophetic word and I would like to read it to you because I believe events that have taken place in the last couple of months are proven in this and he said to me this is what Paul gave to me He said, In times of darkness, when we have nowhere to turn, when the evil hands of greed and hate are reaching out further than they have reached, pawing and grabbing at everything we hold most dear, when the systems fail, leaving us stranded and helpless, what the heck? What is there left for us to do? Do we stand by, defeated by insurmountable odds stacked against us, and let evil win? Do we let darkness reign in a place that has no potential for light? It is in these moments when we must find the courage to stand, to front up against the impossible odds that scuppers our every attempt to defeat them. We don't give in, we fight on and on. Even at times when we feel overwhelmed by the fight, even in the time the fight takes to the brink of everything we know, we do not sculp back into the shadow of fear. We stand for the light, the little light that there is left. All it takes is one shining shard of light to keep a ship safe from the rocks. All it takes is a shining light to set an example, to break through the darkness, to give hope to all those who have lived so long, shrouded in shadow. One light, then another, then another, until eventually the darkness is broken by a blinding, glorious sunrise of a people standing for that in which they believe. Standing for their homes, their families and their lands. One united, of, one united flood of light, a light so bright that the forces of darkness are sent fleeing to farthest reaches of the universe where they belong. They do not belong here. This is a brave people, a brave nation. All it takes is that example of light for them to follow, for this broken nation of people to be lifted from their knees and become their own light, banishing the darkness with every step of the renewed and refreshed legs, rising from the ashes of this crippled nation, a tidal wave of light, gushing forth and drowning those agents of evil, never to be heard from again. For me, that prophecy manifested itself on the 28th of November last year. We are privileged people. We've seen the pictures of Aleppo, we've seen the pictures of Benghazi and Tripoli, the total destruction with tanks parked in those streets. There's no other reason for a million people to be on the streets of Harari on the 28th of November other than but God. Those pictures were totally different to pictures around the rest of the world. People were having selfies next to tanks, hugging soldiers, not one round fired, not one screen, windscreen broken. What a privilege to be part of that. But God had to lay the foundation. God had to deal with us. He had to give us a thorn as a nation in our flesh. He has dealt with that thorn now. And as Vesey spoke earlier, we live in an incredibly positive time. And it, for us as a church, you know, I, I, through my dealings, I've become very friendly with a number of ambassadors up in Arari. And they all phoned me over Christmas and sent me emails over Christmas and said to me, Dave, don't forget the 18th of November. And that is ours as Zimbabwe. That is ours that we can share with the rest of the world. That we can build this nation, as Paul said to me on the 14th of September, build it up from the ashes that it's in. With God as our leader. With the church taking the lead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so
1: much, Dave. I, um, <laughs> I do think that God is, um, is using stories of people's lives to inspire us about not just the individual call that he has for us and purpose, but also our collective one. And so as there is a personal Touched to what Dave had shared, there's also a collective one that speaks to us as a church and as people of God in this nation, that God is stirring our hearts with an incredible hope for what he has for us in this place. And um, I do know that there are people, we had friends um, that left um, just the other day, it was an emotional moment when I said goodbye to Ian and Joe Connolly when they left. They moved down to Cape Town. Now, now God calls people across the world to move to places. Um, but I also know that for us who are here, God has a, a deep, deep longing for us to understand why He is keeping us here. And it's not just to survive, but it's to fulfill His wonderful purpose He has for us in this nation. So, praise the Lord for that. I'm going to ask a lady to come up and... Uh, Adelaide, wouldn't you mind just coming up and sharing your part and your contribution? I did ask them for a specific time, and I do understand that you know when you get up here, there's so much that you have on your heart. I, I did read a story this week about a vicar in England who started um, fining brides for being late when they get um, arrived for the wedding. It says from now on, if you arrive 10 minutes later than the Ascribed or the arranged time, I'm going to find you a hundred pounds for being late. So I think I'm going to make a bit of money perhaps this morning, hey? <laughs> and I don't take bond notes. <laughs> anyway, bless you. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Adelaide Moyo. A
2: very good morning to everybody. My name is Adelaide. I will just share shortly from uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7, a part. It reads, As a man thinketh, so is he. I'll read again. As a man thinketh, so is he. i will just love to encourage us as we begin the year 2018. 2017 hasn't been good, maybe good to some, and not good to us. But as we begin uh, 2018, I would love us to be positive. And the most important thing is, is your thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. My encouragement to us is that let's be positive in everything that God has asked us to do. As individuals, there's something that God drops inside of us to do or to share. And that's the thing that we've got to be positive about. We can achieve things that people think it cannot be done. But with God on our side, we can do all things. So that thing that God has dropped inside of you as you begin the year 2018, I will ask you, run with it. Don't be negative, but be positive. Have the right attitude. You have got to plan and pray and then pursue what God has put inside of you. That that includes me as well. One thing that I like about Nehemiah is that in in his book, he says, when they were building the broken walls, he says, with one hand we shall build and with the other we shall pray. So whatever God has put inside of you, is it in your business, at your workplace, at school, wherever you are, remember, with one hand pray and with the other work and do exactly what God has put inside of you. And the most important thing that verse shared is that God has given us this great uh, gift and this gift is is of making a choice. Choose ye this day to be positive and to have the right attitude as you do your daily duties. God bless you.
1: Thank you very much. I like that. I wonder if we... Thanks so much for that, Adelaide. I think that it's very clear that God wants us each one of us, as we launch into this year, to understand the importance of the choices that we make. But you see, again, as, as David said, there must be some sort of a foundation for it. And, and um, the scripture that Adelaide was referring to, as a man thinks, so is he, or she, or as a woman thinks. So whatever enters our minds will enable us to think in a certain way, isn't it? Whatever you I mean, we we have this GIGO thing, garbage in, garbage out. If you have lies that come into your mind, you will live a certain life. And and the outcome of what you're listening to and what you're reading and, and receiving will determine how you live your life and how you think about yourself. And I think God wants to encourage us as we launch into this year. As you consider this year, what do you use as a foundation for the thoughts that you have for this year? Is it anything of the past? or the things that you have experienced or you have you the things that you've done right and that you've managed that will say, well, I know that I can do, and therefore my year is dependent upon how good I will be again and how good I will do things and how well I can plan things. Or is it dependent upon who God is? You see, unless the foundation of Jesus Christ is formed in our lives, we have nothing to base our lives on. And so if Jesus doesn't feature in wh- how I think, My thoughts will be based on something else but God. And so if those foundations enter my thought pattern, the thinking that I have for myself, my family, my future, my year 2018 will be based on everything but what God says. That's why it's so important that we focus on what Jesus says and what God has for us, which is found in His Word. And I just want to, at this point, say to you, if you don't have a Bible, and you don't know where to get a hold of a Bible, please come talk to us. We'd love for you to have a Bible that you can refer to, that will formulate the thinking that you need to have about God, about yourself, and about your future, and about other people. Is that okay? So bless you. Thank you for helping us understand the importance, again, of filling our minds with what is important. Great. Mr. Morongedza, would you mind coming up, Des? I'd love to have you come and share. This is great, isn't it? I love just to get different perspectives. And um, Des, thank you very much for being here and sharing with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Des Morongedza. Thank you. Good
3: morning. I'm not used to standing before crowds and uh, doing this. Okay. Well, and um, when I stand before crowds, I'm used to um, every time I stand before crowds, people start sweating <laughs> and puffing and puffing and stuff. That's the kind of crowds. So know, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, okay, right. Um, also, we traveled out uh, with family for Christmas and um, um, somewhere when we were traveling because we kept on changing phones with the WhatsApp. And. Versus message came through asking me if, uh, love, if we would on behalf of the family and would love to share something uh, that's going to encourage, that I find encouraging, that I could find is worth celebrating to the church. And that message, I think it came through, I kind of saw it, never read it. And um, because I kept on changing phones and then it was lost on the other one and SIM cards, when I got back, um just like as he did it live he called me you know he called me and i saw oh, i got a missed call from this yeah? so um then I, something was bothering my mind i was going through my phone again and i went on to check and i found okay this is what he was asking for and then i asked myself he's gonna call again am i gonna do this <laughs> you know and um for one i didn't feel like i mean i always believe that uh, as a human being, as a member of the society, and as, um, as, a, as, a, as a child of God, God has got something that you can use me for all the time. But um, I wasn't so sure. I'm always kind of worried that on this particular occasion, will I fit in? Will I make sure that I do the right thing? Um, it's the beginning of the year. It's the new season. People got their hopes up high with what has happened in the country. And uh, you don't want to say a word that's going to discourage people. And um, I thought about it. And I prayed about it. And I felt strongly there was something I could share. Um, as some of you know, we, or mostly we are known for, uh, that we run a gym, you know, I see that's the gym guy. We run a gym in, uh, in the city of Playao, in our business, that's what I want to talk about, my experiences. In our business, uh, if uh, one has been there, it was, it's kind of like, wow, this is, how could you guys do this? And I stand up and I look at sometimes and say, how did we do this? Or, uh, I mean, it's quite amazing, but it has given us sleepless nights, and it has given us quite a lot of time, anxiety, worry, and trouble. You know, quite tons of money that's been thrown into it, tons of effort, energy, and everything that's been thrown into that thing. And uh, from inception, when we said and we, des- we, we decided we're going to do this thing, we had a plan, and the plan was by this time we should be okay if we uh, recuperated our money's done this much and all these things. But I tell you what, we are nowhere, <laughs> we are nowhere nearer to that. we are gone far and far and far from it. And somewhere in the middle of everything, um, of all that, I, was, I spoke to my wife and we were talking about it. And we got to a point when we realized that, you know what, this is different. This is very different. This is Zimbabwe. We live in a community we are called to serve. And being called to save, how do we save uh, through um, like business when we, we want to live off that business? We want to make sure that uh, it gives us a, a future school fees for our children and stuff. And I remember just to jump, I remember uh, some, some time when I was really like, uh, when I get really depressed, I'm like at night and I'm just like, it's enough. Maybe in my head, I'm searching for my passport to get out of this place. And then my wife said to me, I remember one thing that we've always said that every morning, the following morning when we wake up, and there's going to be a child playing in a school ground somewhere because their mom has a job in that gym that's one more reason why we should wake up and go there that's one more reason why we should keep it going and brethren what i've discovered is that uh saving god and uh, being your brother's keeper comes with so much discomfort it doesn't come easy all right um as uh, romans 12 once say we should offer ourselves as living sacrifices and i felt it you know, I look I, you think of uh, the animals that were taken and put on the slaughter and uh, on, on, on the altar, and they, were, and, and they would burn and they would feel the pain if they could speak. And in some ways, doing um, a service for the community and, and, and responding to God's call to look after your brother, your neighbor, the next person, it doesn't come easily, it will always come with discomfort. And with the discomfort comes up uh, um, um, the, the questioning of my, the security of my future and my family and my kids. Because uh, we human beings will have to put our monies in the safe, and you want to lock it up yourself. And you want to test, is the vault locked, I get my key and I put it away, then I can go, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm happy with that. Um, or I go to the bank and I give them my money, and I'm only happy when I see the stamp and I'm carrying something that tells me my money is in the bank, up and until that thing is breached. Happened until we all are away all what has happened. Sometimes we put the money in the bank and we woke up in the morning, we didn't have that money anymore. And because of that, it does not matter what efforts human beings try and do, we create the bond notes, which is a very brilliant idea, but bond means it must be accompanied by faith and trust. And because it's been breached, it's difficult to win it back. But let us hold on unto um, the one that promised. The Lord that promised us that uh, you look after us, you will be with us all the time. If you hold on unto him, um, he is faithful. So the Bible tells me. So we, we hold on to the faith that we profess. Um, the stamp, the seal, the door that it is really locked, the key, it lies right in the Bible, in his promise, where it says that you just let everything, just give everything to me, and I'll take care of it. So it brings me to the story of um, the five loaves and two fish. Um... People say, what do I have? I've got nothing. Because you look at what you, have to, what you have to meet, what is demanded of you out there, you look at it and say, but I've got nothing. How do I do this? But uh, I'd love to encourage you guys that as we come into this um, season right now, we have quite a lot. Yeah. And we have quite a lot in, in so many ways than one. Um, outside just the money sort of values of uh, you know money in the bank or something but we have quite a lot even in our hearts um, what we can give, our time and all such we have quite a lot that we can give and be left with plenty. Guys said it's only five lobs, only two you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's not enough there's crowds, there's a multitude here, we can't feed these people and I'm sure they thought but the teachers lost it here, right yeah. but once it's taken through him it is enough guys and one thing for sure, you'll never sink you. I come from a background where at some stage, I had to catch about two lifts to get to my workplace. And my workplace, I had to be there as early as first thing, quarter to six in the morning. And quarter to six in the morning, I had to catch one lift and drop somewhere, catch another lift and go somewhere. Those were not my cars. it was public transport. And I can count the number of times when I was late for work. Now, over the times, and I, I worked for, for, for ministry for quite a long time in the church. You know, in with the youth and the scripture union, Youth for Christ and all those places. And never exactly having quite what you would call a salary. But I was never in need. I was never in lacking. Um, Fast forward. And I get my blessings. I get a car. I get cars. I, get, I, I live five minutes away from where I work. Three minutes when I'm driving. I can count a number of times when I can easily get there on time. And I got cars now, you know. So it's something that, I mean, I, I reflect on it. I'm like, you know what? It's amazing. It's amazing how God works. When, when we think, I don't have anything. Yeah. Right, but I have faith. With faith, things happen. But when we have faith, because we've got something out there, which means that we take that, you know, that faith away from God, like uh, we, we, we place it in our hands because that's, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that it is in my pocket, it is in the bank, it is in my health care system and everything, and then that's where trouble starts. As I say, two three cars down the line, five, hours, five minutes away from where I work, I am struggling. It is a struggle to get there on time. All right. Um, um, but before, I could wake up in the morning, I could run and be in, in one place and a car will come and pick me up and drop me somewhere and stuff. So there is a lesson for me to learn from there that, you know what, the, the materials of the world and all these things, they tend to get in the way. Right. So um, I'm just sharing randomly on my small life experiences in, in living and working with God and trusting in the Lord in the times when I trusted in him, the times when I didn't trust him. Um, um, we did a little project. We, we involved in a, in a little project where we thought, our, our homes, I'm sure it's, it's true for most of us here, nice and plush and green inside, brilliant. And when we look beyond, and we look beyond our gates and our fences, what do we see? It's, it's the rubbish, it's the litter and everything. So what is the solution? What do we do? But many of the times I've seen us raise up that wall, tear down the, the fence, put up a big wall so I cannot see the outside. Screen it up much more, go even much more higher so I cannot see the outside. But um, never, before, I never thought of, maybe I should get out myself. Take this green, take this, this beauty, take it all the way to the outside. And I believe that um, that comes with um, um, I'm living beyond myself. But I don't want to, this year, I don't want to live counting every penny. I don't want to live counting every, every minute. That is my time. It's my resources. And, you know, I, I, I can't. It's not enough. I just want to give. I just want to go into practicality of just going out there and sharing with others. And I know that by so doing, because I've walked that path before, by so doing, I know that I will, we will be able to help quite a lot of people and I will not sink myself. God bless you. Happy New
1: Year. Thank you very much. I think, um, in a way, you have made us sweat a bit this morning, hey Des, by just sharing about living beyond ourselves is I do think that we live in a world where we are so focused on our own needs and become um, selfish and to live with a mindset that says what I have is so much and what I have can actually help others. made me think of a quote that I, um, that I was reminded of when you spoke about those walls going up. There's a quote that I once just read. It says, when you have more than you need, Listen to this. When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. How's that, eh? Just build a longer table for people to come and sit around and to enjoy what you have. Don't build a higher fence. And I love that, that in this time where we are in Zimbabwe, it is a challenging time. Again, I had read stuff yesterday about what they think about Zim in terms of the economy and all those things. But it's not a time for us to build higher fences and to have walls go up. And, and yeah, we, we can't always build those walls, but we do have walls. And, and one of the things that God would want to encourage us about is that what you have, even the little that you have, is, is probably a lot more than what many others would have. Why don't you just build a longer table instead of a higher fence and involve others in what you are blessed with okay so when you look around you say to the people next to you hey i'm blessed what do you want (laughs) not you know you are blessed i want something from you but i'm blessed what do you want from me that's an amazing lifestyle to have isn't it how can i be a blessing to you not how can you be a blessing to me that is wonderful so thanks for that Great, Dave and Adelaide and Des have really contributed well. So, Mark, could you come up, please, and, uh, and share with us
4: what you have? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Wells. <laughs> Thank you, Missy. Yeah, I was kind of knowing four people were speaking this morning. I thought, right, let's be first. <laughs> uh, so now the, uh, the perils of comparison come in. Good morning, uh, Vessi mentioned just now the, uh, the Geigo principle, garbage in, garbage out, and uh, as he was doing that, I just got a very vivid picture in my mind, and uh, just before I spend a couple of minutes on that bit of paper, I want to share that with you. My first proper job, my first actual job was a builder, my first proper job that I was qualified to do was a ship's engineer. Uh, it's what actually brought me to Africa for the first time in 1977. Yes, I know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, 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 no. Thank you. Uh, there was a machine in the engine room called uh, uh, a fuel oil purifier, and basically, where you store the the, uh, the fuel on it on a ship is in the bottom double tanks at the bottom of the ship uh, next to bilges. And when they put it on the ship, it's norm- they normally put about 20% water with it, so they get more money out of it, particularly in Cape Town, by the way, if that's uh, irrelevant to anybody. Um, um, before you can put this stuff into the, um, into the engine so you can move, you have to do two things. To it. You have to heat it up because it's like a very heavy treacle at, at sort of sea temperature. Um, and you've got to make it quite hot, so you have to run the steam through it. And, of course, those steam pipes always leak. And so what you get out of the tank is a mess. It's dirty and it's wet. And if it's purchased in Cape Town, it's very low grade to start with. So you have to put it through this thing called a fuel oil purifier. And it's kind of the opposite of a computer, which is what Vessi was referring to with the Geigo. And as he was talking about this garbage in, garbage out, I just had a picture of how... We need to be somewhat. For everything we receive from the world, everything we put out should be pure and ready to burn. And if I'm absolutely honest, I was in charge of maintaining some of these machines at one point. I never fully understood how they worked, uh, but they—they they were very clever. It wasn't just like a filter; it was a moving thing and a steam thing and lots of clever discs that filter different things out. Um, and when they went wrong they took about two days to clean out, so you really tried to keep them going. But just when you said that earlier, and I've just kicked that um, loudspeaker, and it's, it's, it's heavy and painful. Um, I'm going to move the table a little. Uh, so when Vessu was mentioning that garbage in, garbage out just now, I just had this picture of this purifier, and wow. thought, golly, um, if only we could be doing that, and if we could take everything in, we take him, but only put out the stuff that's good. Anyway, now on to my... Um, <laughs> What I, what I told Vessi I was going to say. Uh, and really, I hope this does encourage. It's, it's a more personal rather than general thing, but I just wonder how it applies to other people as well. Um, as last year got older and older, and the economy got worse and worse, I had a sense that I needed to get a fresh understanding of what God wanted me to do um, and where he wanted me. And since arriving in Zim some years ago, uh, I have not really doubted that we've been in the right place. A place that we've been called to. Not for more than a, a day at a time now and then when something particularly horrendous has happened. My wife being arrested was the highlight of this back in 2015. And there were some bad days then. Uh, but actually overall, there's been a, a sense that this is where God wants us. That being the case, I'm sometimes just saying, okay, um, what, what for? <laughs> you know, why am I here? Uh, and I, I came, I have a very clear sense to come and do business. And over the last couple of years, or so, certainly since May 2016, uh, doing business has been a weird, hadn't they, Sean's looking at me and nodding yet? Yeah, it's been a weird old thing to be trying to do. Um, and so I, I spent a bit of time last year seeking for assurance reassurance, guidance, whatever, just to try and make sure I was grounded into what I should be doing. Um, And I've come up with five things out of that process which I want to briefly share with you. Uh, The the first of all, the first one, was I've got such a strong reassurance that um, God has a plan not just a global plan, but he's got a plan for every single one of us individually. Uh, that, that sounds impossible. How can God have a plan for all those millions of people for all those thousands of years? Well, if you don't understand that, how God does that, then you've just reminded yourself that you're not God and he is. Yeah? God's there. He can do this stuff. And he has, he has a very specific plan for each of us. Um, and as I look at, our lives, Heather and I have been married for um, 38, sorry, oh, 38 years now. I should, have, I should not have paused there. That was a mistake. I will hear more, I will hear more on that later. Um, 38 wonderful years, which hopefully, <laughs> hopefully gets me off the hook a bit. Yeah, we'll find out later. Uh, when I look back over that time, I see so many things that we've done and things that have happened to us. Uh, which have not been a logical progression. We've had a bit of a, a jumbled life. We were working out the other day. We've, we're on like our sixteenth home since we got married thirty-eight years ago, which is a little bit unusual. Um, but it's been interesting. Um, but, but when I look at all the things that have happened through this non-contiguous life we've had, uh, I see that taken as a whole. Every one of them has added like an extra color to our palette. Is that that a good phrase? Um, And and God has used all those things. So many things that at times we we regretted. Uh, I spent a lot of time in court a few years ago, winning a case of being sued. Uh, And that actually gave me and us a little more confidence when we ended up in court in Zimbabwe. Things like that. Just... Little things, big things. Um, and so I've really seen over those years how God, God's plan has come together. How so many things that we've, we've done, we've experienced, are what he's now using. And assuming that I get to live for a few more years, and I know there's no definition in this thing, but assuming I do, I'm also now wondering, well, what am I learning now that God's going to use in the future? So, point one, I really believe God has a plan. Um, And I love that scripture in in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. uh, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And that's that's something, that's just a a short, probably misquote, but about right, Um, which which I think is brilliant, which really encourages me. So, I just share that with you. Um, And the, the other thing is, coming from... What I was saying about this sort of patchwork life, I don't think God's wasteful with our experiences. I, I really don't think anything goes to waste. And again, I look at Romans 28, which is one of my favorite uh, passages in all scripture because it encouraged me so much. It says, uh, We know that in all things God works for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. And it doesn't say most things, it says all things, and that's sometimes a challenge. But what Scripture says is that all things, God will work together for our good. Um, Secondly, uh, what what I've come to see really in the last year, maybe the last six months, more and more, is that I'm I'm dangerous territory here, so please hear the whole paragraph. Um, God isn't actually that concerned with right and wrong. As, just hold on, yeah. uh, (laughs) Just as sort of definitive positions. Uh, What I've discovered in in, in life is that uh, there are those things which God prefers to those other things. And in seeking where I should be and what I should be doing, I don't have any sense from God of if you don't get this absolutely right, if you don't absolutely understand me and do precisely what I want you to do, boy, you're in trouble. What I get is a sense that what God wants me to do is to seek out that thing which pleases him most. Does that make sense? Um, That there's a sense of not being under condemnation if I don't get everything right. And I remember uh, years ago, our oldest son, Edward, um, who's quite a bright lad, uh, didn't necessarily get on with the concept of school very well, but he's quite a bright lad. And uh, I remember he phoned me up the day he got his O-level results. And he... I can't remember them. I'm sure my my wife could. But he, he rattled off. He got this, that, and the other, and these grades, and that grade, and these subjects, and uh, then he paused, and I realized he was waiting for me to react, and actually, I was just pleased he phoned me, (laughs) Uh, and delighted he'd taken some exams, but I didn't have a sense of what I was expecting of him, Um, and in that little moment, when he'd finished telling me, I thought, what do I say now? <laughs> I just didn't know. And I, I, I said, are you happy with that? Because that seemed to be a very good way of passing the buck back down the phone line. Uh, and he said, yeah, I'm really glad. And I said, excellent. No, it's fantastic. And, and got away with another close call. Uh, but I actually think God's a bit like that with us. Uh, I, I get a sense from that conversation I had with Edward all those years ago, that He wants us to be really happy with what he's giving us and what we're doing and there's a a whole gentleness about god that i think we sometimes miss yes he's he's a jealous god and he's very very keen on things which are righteous which is why jesus came and died for us but i think he's very gentle with us i think he 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 loves us to be to be warm and comfortable in things yeah, I, I, just to get scripture on that. I mean, one Corinthians, Paul says a couple of times, "Worse the effect of everything is permissible, but not everything edifies you." Yeah, and I think there's 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 more liberty uh, in our faith than many people would would would, would maybe tell us. Third point, I've probably used my five minutes already. I'll talk quicker. Um, that I've really noticed recently is that he speaks with a still small voice. Uh, he doesn't shout in our ear. He's not in that way an insistent God. He doesn't force us into things. Uh, and it's so important amongst the hurly-burly that is everybody's lives that we, we find somewhere peaceful just to give ourselves an opportunity to hear well from him. Um, and uh, that's, that's something I've been trying to do. And i I I suppose I like to stay active and hectic and I quite like the hurley burly most of the time but it's so important to take time to be able to to hear him. It's just, uh, I just think about um, uh, Elijah when he was in the cave and the big weather and stuff was coming and he was trying to hear God and it, it was only when all that noise stopped that he was able to hear the word of the Lord coming from him. Uh, fourth point uh, we must be open to him if we're looking for direction there's no point whatsoever in saying God help me to know what my next steps are where am I going next what do you want me to do next if there's very much or indeed I think any part of your mindset which is saying in the background yes Lord please tell me where to go but please um I'm not going to Africa, right? But other than that, I'm totally open. Now, that was actually a real life prayer I prayed when I was about 22. Uh, And it took me a few decades to get to the point of saying, God, I will go wherever in the world you want me to go for whatever purpose. I will live in poverty if you want me to live in poverty. I will live in wealth, please, if you'd like me to live in wealth. Um, and it's just so important so important for me now and strangely that prayer has turned around now because I had to say to God at a point in the second half of last year Lord put me wherever you want me but please let it continue to be Africa <laughs> yeah. and so he's completely turned that around in me and I've, I've learned a lot through that and that's a bit of self-realisation there as well um, and I put in mind there of, of um isaiah when god is saying well you know who, who will go for me and and um isaiah turns around and said, here am i send me and so if, if you find god is saying to you who will go and do this um don't be looking around for who else can do it and checking over your shoulder it might just be you um fifthly when you're seeking for guidance as to what you should be doing. It's been a very big part of my last six months of my life, as you can probably guess. Um, There are practical considerations there. Now, I I know that the average age of this assembly is a little less than than, than my age, but in in, in the month I was born, back in 1955, um, there was a television program aired its first um, showing. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a, a UK children's programme called Crackerjack? Does that mean anybody else here except me? It doesn't matter. Yes! Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> it aired, it aired for, three, uh, for 30 years, three decades this programme went on, and finale and the centerpiece um, for every one of those episodes was they had three kids um, sit on the stage, and it was a quiz. And they just asked them questions in turn. And every time they answered a question, If they answered the question right, and these were, on the whole, pretty simple questions, um, the kid got a prize. And the thing is, they had to hold the prizes. And as they were given prize after prize after prize, it was getting more and more difficult for them to hold the prizes. It was called double or drop, for reasons I won't explain. Um, And if they got a question wrong, they got a cabbage, which they also... Had to hold. Now, obviously, in an African context, that would be a good prize. But in the UK context, it, 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 it was not a great thing. Although in an African context, it would have been as big as this. So, um, and, and the deal was, the person who won wasn't the person who got the most questions right. It was a person who dropped something last. So the challenge was to hold everything. you got to keep everything you could hold. Um, and looking at guidance for what God might want to give you or to ask you to do, uh, I, I just have another, there's pictures of, 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 of the kid on double or drop, um, arms loaded with goodies and things which he's been given, and a couple of cabbages, and then Leslie Crowther comes up to him and offers him something else. And he's suddenly in this situation where he can't take it. And he can't take it because he knows if he moves so much as his little finger, he will drop something. And what God has said to me through this is, if you want me to give you things to do, if you want me to bless you, you might have to drop some things you're already holding. Don't hold everything that you have too close and too dearly to you if you really want God to bless you. Thanks guys.